2: What's going on guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Equal Vision Records and Sound Talent Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. Guys, I am so excited about this episode. I love how it worked out timing-wise. Episode 187, motherfucking 187, Soma Snake Oil. I know you guys have heard the Fat Mike episode. Uh, Soma is Mike's ex-wife. She's a uh, professional dominatrix. She is an amazing artist. She's an activist. She is uh, a parent. She's all. I mean, there's so many labels you could put on Soma, but she defies all of them. She is just an amazing person, a a great personality, a a fantastic conversationalist. She's done so many awesome things, and I got schooled on this episode. I've been fascinated by the BDSM community for a long time, and like I tell Soma, where do you dive into something that prolific? Like, where do you even dive in without feeling like some Fifty Shades of Grey douchebag, right? Because uh, you know, being at Fat Mike's house doing the Fat Mike episode, I got to go in his dungeon, and once you walk into those places, where you're—that's all it's for. That's what it is. It's a dungeon. How often? How many of you guys have walked into an actual dungeon? I guarantee, probably not many. Um, but the experience is is incredible because it takes you into that place. It puts you. It's like walking into a movie set, but it's not. And the 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 smell, the the aesthetic, is all encompassing. Like you can get lost in there. It's crazy. But where do you dive into that? You know. So I asked. And we went over a bunch of stuff. Um, we talked about a lot of things, but mainly we were looking at where does that come from, right? It's fascinating. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. I had an absolute blast. Soma is fantastic, and you know, every so many people, we have so many mutual friends, uh, but have never met. And everyone, every single person I told about Soma coming on the show is like, she's the best. She's the greatest. Like she is thought of so highly in her group of friends, uh, and, and fellow activists and artists, it's really inspiring. And, uh, I felt really, really, uh, lucky to have her on the show. So Soma, thank you for coming on. Um, you're probably not listening to your own show, but maybe you are. Um, but yeah, if you guys, you know, she was, she was a subject of some of the stuff on the Koki, the clown record that fat Mike put out. So this is going to tie a lot of dots together is all I'm saying. Um, as far as, as far as the story goes. But thank you so much again to Soma. Thank you guys for coming back week after week and believing in me to bring you great content, trusting me, subscribing to the show, listening to every episode, whether you know the person or not. That is the coolest thing to me, where I don't have to release an episode with uh, fucking Jesus Christ and it's for you to listen to it. Right? I don't have to have an episode with with uh, you know the multi 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 platinum uh, with fucking Mick Jagger. Just for you to download the show. You download the show because you like the show. And I bring you content that you enjoy. That is the ultimate compliment. uh, And I could not ask for anything more. So thank you so much. Let's get some business out of the way real quick. And we will dive in. Peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website. You can go there for all the episodes. Contact information. All that jazz. Peerpleasurepod at gmail.com is my email. If you need to get in touch with me. uh, Questions. Uh, comments, guest ideas, things you like, don't like, go rate and review the show, write a review, rate the show, Uh, it it helps us out so much. So anyways, let's get into this one guys, this one is a fantastic episode. Here's my conversation with Soma Snake Oil. you?
0: I'm so good.
2: Excellent. <laughs> my first
0: day off in, I can't even tell you how long. I tried a couple of weeks ago and it didn't happen. So I've been taking a bath and cleaning my house. All of the testicle ropes that were at the bottom of my laundry <laughs> basket are now clean and hanging in my bathroom. So I got clean cock and ball rope you- ready to talk. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: um, oh, I
2: love it already. I love it? it already. This is fantastic. I
1: uh
2: <laughs> uh yes, so your first day off in a while from, from everything, because you do so many things, but this is like day off entirely.
0: Day off entirely. I'm just gonna hang out with you a little bit awesome. and art. Excellent. So- mm-hmm.
2: Well hopefully they're both great. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. So, well, so I'm a snake oil. Welcome to the Peer Pleasure Podcast. Uh, I've just started doing Zooms maybe a month oh. ago. I usually okay. did most over phone or in person or or whatever because I always thought it was strange doing Zoom. But now it's become like a normal thing because technically, yes, we're face to face, but we're not face to face. You know, it was always this in my mind, there was like a disconnect, but now it's making more sense. I'm getting used to it.
0: This is how we party in the pandemic
2: yeah exactly where are you at are you in LA are you in San Francisco uh
0: no I don't live in San Francisco anymore I moved back to Los Angeles um three years ago after Mike and I split I moved back here because it's better here yeah um I like it better you know that that's that that sounds so strong I like it better (laughs) um are
2: you and are you and Mike are you and Mike on good terms after the split okay I mean, we
0: have we have a complex relationship. But, but well, of course. There. Yeah.
2: He's a he's an interesting guy. I I, I did an episode at his house in uh, Sherman Oaks uh, back when he was still renovating, and that was one of those things where we got on the phone, never met each other before. He starts sending me all these videos of like stuff that he's talking about as we're talking on the phone, and he's like, "Well, why don't you just fly down to my house and we'll do it here." All right. So I did. And then I went into that whole world. And that was the first time I'd ever been in that world. And it's always something I knew. Anytime he tried to talk about this side of his life with the BDSM, everyone just was like, yeah, cool, man. And then wanted to talk about no effects. No one ever let him talk about it in interviews, like barely ever. So I was like, Mm -hmm. dude, let's just talk about that. And that's what we did.
1: How was that for you?
2: It was interesting. It was interesting. It's one of my top episodes, like download wise. I think mm-hmm. because he went places he doesn't normally go, um, but it was very interesting. It was very like he has he had the the small dungeon in his house that was all set up already, but everything else was like torn apart and being renovated. So that was the first time going into a dungeon, which I thought was fascinating. And then, uh, yeah, it was just a weird experience it, all around. But it was it was nice, but it was weird. Like it was just strange. And you you know him on a different level than I do, of course, but as someone I've listened to since I was a teenager, like growing up, and then all of a sudden we're and I've been in the music business as well, so I've met a lot of people that I've idolized before, not saying I idolized Mike, but someone I looked up to then as a musician. I'm then like jamming on the bass in the studio, just chatting on the bass I watched him play up in Alaska when I was 15. So that part was weird. But Uh, just, yeah, it was a, it was a good experience. It was one of those things where like, I'm just going to say yes to whatever. So my first time wearing latex.
0: Did you convert? Are you a converted BDSM person?
2: I, I experiment. I'm not into it on the (laughs) level you guys are. There's, it's almost intimidating how much there is to learn.
1: Mm -hmm. Like,
2: where do you dive in? Like, where do you, I mean, it's such a weird, I mean, it's a, I have friends in, in the scene And they're so into it, like I I don't even know where to start. Like there's so many different things, you know. But so, anyways, I just and I know, um. Yeah, you just do so many interesting things. But this, like BDSM being a big thing, like in Mike talking about the same thing. Like you guys did a lot of things together, and I learned a lot about you that way, just from like different stories he had told and stuff like that. But, um. Yeah, I'm fascinated by it. (laughs) What's that?
0: His perspective.
2: Yes, exactly. And it's always Mike's perspective. That's something (laughs) I learned really quick.
0: (laughs) I'm glad you had a good time.
2: Yeah. but uh, So anyways, I'm excited to talk to you because you do so many things. And I'm fascinated um, by the BDSM community as a whole. I mean, it fascinates me because I don't understand it enough to – Like, I like to learn about it because I'm definitely interested. It's, uh, it's very fascinating to me. Um, But I kind of want to know your story, like, like where you come from and, and uh, kind of where, like, where, where did you grow up?
0: I grew up all over the place. So, um, I mean, I was born in England my father's British, my mother's American and, um, my parents were um you could call them missionaries you could call them smugglers they were um creating christian propaganda and um you know disseminating it uh, smuggling it into um east bloc countries during the cold war so there was a lot of traveling it was um you know it was intense they they were involved with work with the underground church and hiding people and you know it was, it was you know is uh sort of um yeah it was renegade work within the Christian community. Um and um we we moved to Baltimore when I was I think about six years old. And that was sort of that was home base, but they did a lot of traveling and they took us with them in Europe and North Africa, parts of the Middle East. Um, so there was a lot of moving around wow. uh when we when we were young. Um, which was rad, Mm -hmm. you know, it was really very interesting way to grow up. Um, and when I was, I think I was like 16, maybe I was 15. We moved to South Dakota to Sturgis, South Dakota, where they have the motorcycle rally. Yes. (laughs) COVID spread. Yep. The COVID super spreader. (laughs) spreader (laughs) Um, so that's where I went to high school and that's also where I found punk rock um, was actually in rapid city. There was a little venue there called the Rose. Um, and you know, like some great local punk bands and, um, and you know, I saw Neurosis there when I was real young. Well, I mean, I guess it's, it's real young to me. I I was like 17, almost 18, somewhere around that age. And I saw Neurosis and that completely changed my life. Um, you know, and that was like when they had, um, it was the enemy of the sun and they had, um, the the multimedia Mm -hmm. self emulation of a monk. And, you know, it was just like mind blowing for a young Christian (laughs) kid. Um, you know, it was, it was great. And I had a dumpster dive there. Um, yeah, it was like a weird scene. I hung out with, um, you know, there was like goths and vegans and punks and, um, white supremacists, like all together in this little, you know, it was a small town. Yeah. Um,
2: That's fascinating. So going back real quick. So when your, your folks were doing that, like the whole underground thing, were they like, were you noticing what was going on and what they were doing? Like, were you aware of that? And like, were they, um, like bringing you, I know they were bringing you guys along for the ride, moving around and stuff, but how much did you know about what they were doing?
0: Um, I definitely knew because we were, you know, like there was involvement, you know, like, okay. you know, like I remember my mother strapped with films to her stomach, looking like she was pregnant
1: mm-hmm.
0: to get, you know, content through the border and then unstrapping it on the other side, you know, they I remember one time having, um, something sewed to the inside of my clothing, um, you know, to get through the borders. Um, you know, I mean, people think I'm, you know, like a little bit, uh, crazy or, you know, it's like, oh, okay, yes, yes. But, you know, like when people talk about gang stalking or, you know, like that kind of stuff, it's often, often not real maybe it's paranoia or whatever but you know like we actually were followed yeah um during that time um because they were up to you know you know that what they were doing was um yeah. not approved um by the authorities in the, in the countries that they were moving in um you know and they would check the rooms for bugs and um Different things while they were traveling, so we were aware. But I, I don't. We weren't aware to the extent, you know. And I still don't know um, everything.
2: That's crazy.
0: Some, That's- there was some awareness as, as in childhood for yeah. sure. Yeah,
2: because I mean that that'll affect you a little bit. Uh, I mean, when a child doesn't know normal, like, or or doesn't know what normal is, like they learn what normal is to them. That could definitely that could definitely uh, as a child be be kind of. An interesting, it's interesting uh, way to grow up for sure, but also like tying into things later. Like that's that's really interesting. That's I've never heard anything like that in. I'm, we're what two hundred episodes in. Uh, I've never <laughs> heard of an origin story that involves anything like that.
0: That's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I I, I like to think that it, um, it was helpful in making me. Um, useful as an activist now, Mm -hmm. you know, like that, that part of life, I, I don't think of poorly, you know, I,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I'm, I'm I'm proud of um, my parents doing um, what they believed in, what they were passionate about, Mm -hmm. sort of fighting for what they were, you know, what they cared about. Yeah. Um, Sort of like against all odds, even though I don't share the same core values Mm -hmm. as um, you know, Some of the more intense stuff for me was growing up in fundamentalist Christian circles that, you know, that there's sort of like um, self-righteous belief systems that were sexist and racist and homophobic Mm -hmm. and um, highly controlling around behaviors and judgmental and abusive. And that was, that was traumatic. Um, But that's a different thing. Um, You know, what the parents were doing out in the world you know, I, I find that to be, um, you know, I back it even if I don't back the cause itself.
2: Sure. Fighting for what you believe in. I mean, it's, it's awesome. I mean, yeah. it, of course and there. And, and, um, man, I see, I grew up in a Mormon household, so I grew okay. up in a fairly strict environment religiously, you yeah, know, you expecting you to go on a mission when you're 18. Of course right. I did not, yeah. but, uh, never had anything like that where, but learning about the persecution and all this stuff and, and, you know, ousting from here, ousting from here, murders, uh, crazy stuff. There's a book called under the banner of heaven. That's fascinating about that whole thing. But, um, I kind of know what you're talking about somewhat on the, the uh, growing up in that kind of environment is, is definitely life altering, (laughs) you know, it sets you up for a lot of things. You know, once you start fighting for what you actually learned, you, like you figure out what you want and what you believe, you fight for it just as hard, if not harder, you know? So you said, so you discovered punk rock in in Sturgis. You were talking about dumpster diving and stuff? Like what, what was that just yeah. the group of people you were with that were like, hey, no, we're going to go, you know, were you looking for food? Were you looking for stuff? Like what, or was it just like, what was the, what was the uh, motivation there to start dumpster diving? That's interesting.
0: It started out as a party, you know, it was just fun. It was like, let's go to Frito-Lay and get bread and chips and whatever. And I, you know, there's definitely some um, political ideology under it. Mm -hmm. There was, you know, let's um, sort of recycle food that's been thrown away. Yep. Um, So there was... Some, and that was youthful. It, it, it hadn't really turned into um, a whole deep ideology at that point. But,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, there's there's something there in, in, in a young and early way. But it was it was just like, let's jump in the car, everyone. You know, like how many punks can you get in a car and go to free play? <laughs> you know, like and things are getting thrown out the windows. And, you know, it's like yeah. a young thing, like teenagers. Sure. And um, it was so fun super fun it wasn't at that point there There wasn't a tone of survival around it um it was just great yeah,
2: yeah. i hear you i grew up in a small town in alaska so we the same thing everyone hops in the car and everyone does what everyone's doing let's go try this whatever. we never had like the strategic areas we could go dumpster dive at like awesome places for stuff like uh but yeah i know exactly what you're talking about and 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 uh God, that's that's interesting because there's a whole there's a whole movement with that, with sure. with dumpster diving and like like repurposing, uh, you know, and pulling most different- of your food from that, like even feeding their kids, like families feeding their kids oh, from that right. way that, uh, not out of desperation, but because they want to, like this is what we're doing, and it, it's may, a real
0: it real makes a really anti-capitalist thing too, right? Yeah, yeah, and recycling and. Um, not letting things go to waste. And there's an environmental aspect to that because mm-hmm. really.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I just see, I have kids myself and I just see how much goes in the compost bin after dinner. It's just like, what is going on here? Like have, sometimes half the plate is like, are you kidding me right now? Like it's, it's nuts how much we throw
0: away. Well, that's, that's I mean, on a bigger social mm-hmm. scale, that's something to really talk about. It's super important. How there's enough food in the world to feed everyone, but people go hungry, right?
2: Exactly. Exactly. Man, and it's something I see. I live in Portland. And so the studio I'm in right now is in downtown Portland. I don't know if you've been to Portland, but uh, outside the studio, uh, across the the street, there is, um, they're building these camps that are like fenced in. And they're actually building like tiny homes in them. Um, for people to, to stay at for however long, like it's in, it looks like, um, it almost looks like a summer camp, like the, all the buildings look the same and there's numbers on them and there's facilities and there's medical staff. And, um, it's really kind of a cool thing that they're using these, these empty lots and stuff, like trying to help, um, bring resources and like a, a, a roof, you know, and a place to, to get out of the cold. Um, it's been fascinating to watch them build it, but they put it up fairly quickly um, because Portland, um, be, I, I believe the rule is that, well, you can camp anywhere. You can put a tent anywhere. So there's neighborhoods, um, with tents up. There's everywhere around the studio. Like, as I walk into the studio, I mean, there's just lines of tents and little communities. And, uh, it's been really interesting to see what goes on there and seeing these awesome, uh, projects going on similar to what you're Well, maybe not similar to what you're doing with the sidewalk project, but, um, you know, providing resources, you know, to people that, uh, that, uh, is it the term now is ho- houseless? Yeah. Houseless. Yeah. That's what I'm okay.
1: Yeah, I
0: mean, in, in Portland, I think it's dignity village that you have. That's a little bit outside of Portland with, um, some tiny homes. And it's been around for a long time. I mean, there's some powerful activists, activists that have really been leading the way Mm-hmm. in in those kind of projects and you know we're big fans of the dignity village and i don't know if that's associated with that as as far as the little homes that are popping up but it's so important for people to be able to have these kind of alternative and innovative ways to house themselves that are not like you know sort of like what, what we've been experiencing um with the sidewalk project and um in collaboration with food not bombs in las vegas we came together and pooled resources and our group out there created 26 tiny homes and you know this is really a case of state violence sort of in such a cruel way in a pandemic where um you know the, the city and county of las vegas came in and just obliterated this little village that we created together mm-hmm. in the midst of a pandemic <laughs> You know, it was, it was like working, there was a a water source. We had, um, you know, smoke detectors, there's, you know, keys to these little homes Mm -hmm. and it was working and, um, you know, like coming from a sort of DIY punk rock ethic, you know, it was like, let's, let's do something Mm -hmm. you're, you're not providing this, the state, the city is not providing resources. Let's the people stand up for the people. Absolutely. Absolutely. we have to do that, right? Mm-hmm. We have to take care of ourselves and our, our neighbors and our communities. Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely hearing you on that and love hearing about all of the great stuff that's going on in Portland and in Oregon and you know the decriminalization stuff that's going on over there. I and mean, we're big fans of Yeah while they're (laughs) doing
1: yeah
2: (laughs) it's wild yeah it's something it's 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 like nothing i've ever seen lately it's something i'll drive into the studio and i have to stop a couple times because people are just wandering through the street almost like zombies just kind of like in the middle of the road like just oblivious to what's going on and you see and we have no mental health care like we have nothing no option if you're struggling from us from uh mental illness like most of us are. I suffer from massive depressive disorder. It's not to the point where it's debilitating for me to where I can't hold down a job and can't, uh, you know, I can still do those things. The people that can't have no option. Like it's it's crazy. And that's why everyone's just just having to go to the streets. Like they have nowhere to go up here. There used to be, I guess, a, uh, a hospital that was available that is no longer around or is closed. Um, but I have friends that, that, that uh, suffer from schizophrenia. And if they needed a warm place to go, they'd go to a bar and punch someone in the face, because mm-hmm. when the cops came and got him, they they saw that you know what what he, he was suffering from and would take him to uh, a hospital for a couple of days to be on mm-hmm. watch. So if he got tired of being on the street and, and cold, literally just go get in a fight and and then they give him some pills and send him on his way. Mm-hmm. Went across the whole country this way, and mm-hmm. uh, but in Portland where he's from, like he's now has a housing uh, situation going that that he can get into a. Um, like a discounted housing, but it's crazy to see there's no resource. There's yeah. really not. It's awful. Yeah.
0: We can thank Reagan for that as far yeah. as mental, but you know, I mean, one of the things that, you know, we really talk about with sidewalk project, you know, I think that there is this perception around being unhoused that um, people who are unhoused are, you um, mentally ill. And there is that component and it is really important to talk about. There's so many people in housing Mm -hmm. that struggle with mental health. And there's so many people in housing that struggle, um, you know, with whatever it is that are the same circumstances as, as people on the street, there's people who use drugs in housing. Um, there's, you know, sex work in housing. It's, it's all the same stuff Mm -hmm. with, is really different with the circumstance of being unhoused is, is poverty and, um, you know, not being able to have, um, you know, not being able to pay rent. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. that comes from so many different circumstances and, you know, that could be health. It could be systemic racism. You know, it could be sex, sexism. you know, there's so many different things that lead to, um, not having, you know, the resources for housing, and it's a very thin line. I think mm-hmm. that people get that so often. It's a very thin line and it can happen to any of us. Um, and you know, that's one of the reasons that we say houseless, not homeless as well yeah. is this, there's a lot of stigma towards people who are unhoused and, um, and it even starts with the word homeless.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of terms used and, and stuff. I'm, um, uh, by when I stopped touring for music, I needed to get a, a job and, and support my family. So I went into the trades as a commercial plumber. So I work with a lot of Trump supporters. I don't know how in a union. Um, but the terms they always throw around, all these bums are down here, you know, like complaining about uh whatever, or oh, if I if I bring some of this stuff I would have taken to the dump, um, it's a It's a two-edged thing because they're like bikes, like old bikes and stuff like that. I just drop them off to this guy, and he takes them and sells them and flips them around. But as he's looking at it as I'm getting trash out of my house and giving it to this guy because here's my trash. Not, hey, let's empower this guy. I've got this stuff in my garage I'm going to take anyways. So the action is helping the guy out, but the way he's doing it is uh, I'm better than you kind of like, here you go, you know, good luck, you know. Um, yeah, we
0: really do have an American caste system, don't we?
2: Yeah, absolutely. But um, anyway, so I so I went on a whole other tangent there. Um, <laughs> when did you when did you start to shy away from your your folks' beliefs and kind of discover uh, your path? How old were you when that started to happen?
0: About seventeen, eighteen. Okay, it was it was around the same time as um, really discovering punk rock. And, um, there, you know, there was a a period of disillusionment, um, Mm -hmm. with that community. You know, there was some traumatic things that happened around that same time within the family and within the community and things really just kind of shattered and blew up within my family. Um, and that core family has not ever, um, recovered and, um, everyone's sort of gone their separate ways. And, um, you know, that's okay. Mm -hmm. At this point in life, that's okay. Um, and I'm quite honestly, you know, even though that there was some very sad things that happened, I'm, I'm happy that God died.
2: (laughs) 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 Yeah, I hear you. (laughs)
0: <laughs> because I, I live a much um, happier and more fulfilled life as a result of it. So. Yeah.
2: Well, I'm, I'm, I am, I, when you, when you started to split away, it sounds like it was kind of a shocking experience in my mind. It was kind of testing the waters. I was still from growing up under that for so long as my normal, I was scared to yeah. say Jesus isn't real or, or, you know, God isn't real or, or. You know, Jesus was a regular guy. I, I still, in my mind, I felt it, but in my mind, I thought I'm going to get fucking screwed over because of this. Something's going to yeah. happen. Something bad's going to happen. Even at like 18, I was still uncomfortable saying that. And I was I, in you no.
0: What's that? You think you're going to go to hell, or was yeah, that like, or was the ending.
2: Yeah, something bad was going to happen to the family or to me or like if I do this and I'm wrong, like if I say this confidently, but I'm wrong. Something's going to happen in a negative way. Like, uh, you know, um, as like a, like smite you, you know, like not like lightning bolts or anything like that, but I was still nervous because in my heart, I knew this is not what, this is not what my parents have been telling me my whole life is not true. But when I started to itch away from that, that's where it got it's a little scary. And I had to kind of like take baby steps until I really figured it out on my own. Uh, were you kind of thrust from that situation, kind of thrust that this is not real, I'm going this direction, or was it kind of similar where you had to kind of like inch your way out?
0: Some of the values still took some time, um, even though I decided to um, step away from belief systems and community.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Like, for example, around – abortion her choice pro life, all mm-hmm. of that stuff, you know, like that had been, you know, sort of drilled into my mind. So deeply, um, and many other things around like sexuality and all of that stuff that all, all the moralism that comes along
1: mm-hmm.
0: with the religion. So that did, I did have, I, I, I struggled with guilt and shame. Um, for some time around changing lifestyle and behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was, that was hard. That was definitely hard. And I, I definitely, like I, I was talked into, um, carrying a child to term, um, who had a neural tube defect, and, um, so he, he, he didn't have a skull. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, incompatible with life, there was no way, no way of fixing it. Right. So mm-hmm. we knew, you know, that this is this is not going to be there's no chance. Um, and, you know, the doctor's recommendation was to have an abortion. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I actually did a piece of art about this. Um, And, I, you know, I think it's really interesting, you know, like I am very much a believer in, um, in choice and and body autonomy Mm -hmm. in in Mm -hmm. such a big way. Having gone through this experience, it was so incredibly traumatic of carrying, um, to term a, um, a fetus who I knew I, you know, was going to die, you know, and, and birth to a stillborn child, (laughs) you know, like, you know, the fatalism around that and the trauma around that because of the pressure of the expectations around um a religious family. Um so I I think that's sort of a connection point around, Mm -hmm. you know, letting go of the moralism of religion. Yeah. Yeah. And how that can be so incredibly traumatizing and that, you know, that affected
2: slash PPP for 30% off.
1: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?
2: Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Hey, guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad free experience. Tier two gets you access to the peer pleasure past cast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure.
0: My living child who to this day still talks about, you know, this experience and, um, you know like what that does on a cultural level mm-hmm. i think is it's really damaging you know um and and the way some of these things are politicized um is just incredibly dangerous you know
2: yeah yeah this uh, and i'm i am really sorry to uh to hear that with 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 your your child i, I my my son has uh special needs They're developmental delays and and um you know uh heart defects and things like that he'll be with us you know at home with us forever yeah. um but having to go to the NICU for those few months yeah i don't think people i don't think enough people have been to a NICU to see yeah. what it's like yeah but i when you started saying that my heart just i it it yeah it's it's something that Um, with, with my daughter, uh, she was a surprise. Yeah. After my son, we're like, what do we do here? Like, do we go through with this? Do we, do we, do we, you know, um, the tests they had to see if she would have the same problems he had or have problems even worse ran a high chance that we would, uh, that she would die from the test, the amnio, um, uh, puncture so we were weighed with do we and n- neither of us are religious um so we were weighed with the 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 chance that we could do we really need to know yes we do do but what if she's completely typical and we you know do this test to find out for our own it's an ethical nightmare
1: yeah but
2: i know i know kind of where you're coming from on that side of it. And it's, it's, I, if I think if everyone got the chance to go through a NICU and see yeah. kids born without eyes that'll live for a week and yeah. pass, like, or, or without body parts, without, I mean, spine on the outside, like you see those things, you see them not in an intubator, but in a machine that could have been avoided. And that suffering, you know, uh, I just, I, not enough people have seen it to really understand the gravity. And uh um yeah, it's just a it's a horrible thing. And I'm terribly sorry um to hear that you went through that. That's
1: oh it, yeah.
2: it hits me. <laughs> it hits me. Uh but um yeah, it's it's something that just that yeah, people just don't have any idea what's on the other side of of, of the grass. You know, like they just get in their zone and they they have their beliefs and nothing can change this. You know, I feel this way because of this. I You know, um, there's a cartoon I saw, like a political cartoon that was, you know, a woman walking into an abortion clinic and all the signs were like, save the baby, you know, murder, blah, blah, blah. Then when the baby comes out, it's all them like saying, we're not giving you welfare. We're not, you know, they don't want anything to do with it. And it was like, there it is. hundred percent. Those same people would flip the sign the second the baby's out. That's right. You know?
0: Well, there's no mercy in it, too. There's it's it's just lacking of compassion. I'm hearing you talk about the babies in the NICU, and that that's exactly where it is, too. It's it's that agony in um in in love, and you know, it once a baby is born in a terrible, terrible state, where you know that the question of how could I you know, allow this to happen.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it's, there's no mercy or compassion in that.
2: Yeah, absolutely yeah. not. It's, uh, it's also almost a blessing to have experienced some of that too and, and be awakened uh, to, take awaken that, back, to that, that, you know,
0: that, that can sound like judgment the way that I, I phrase that, 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 that was the feeling I had, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to sound that, make that sound like a judgment of other people people going through an experience. Yeah. Cause that's not what it is. That, that's some of the feelings that can happen internally.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we still, we still volunteer at the NICU and bring, you know, books and, uh, things for the parents and try to stay involved and bring the kids back there. So people can see that, um, you know, uh, back to where, where they were and, and try to keep them aware of that kind of thing and try to teach them the same thing. Like, um, but you know, not everyone can be changed that easily. You know, it's yeah. just. Uh, um, but you said you have you have a uh, another child as well.
0: I do. Yeah, twenty one okay. years old. And mine turns yeah.
2: twenty one tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: That's great. But uh, happy birthday to them.
2: Yes, and it's it's crazy to think about. It's crazy to think about. But um, well, when did so so. So after all this happened, you'd started to branch out a little bit. You're discovering, you know, punk rock and music and the whole culture and uh, friends and and going around doing your thing. Uh, how did you get involved with uh, with BDSM? Like, where did that come into your into your wheelhouse? Because that I'm really curious on that because, like I said, I'm fascinated by it, but I don't even know where to jump in.
0: You've been running around wearing latex.
2: I do. I was. I was wearing. I, I could send you pictures of this. I was. I he said we have to we'll do the interview in the pool. I was like, "All right, mic cords in the pool and everything. Uh and but you got to wear latex and heels to be in the pool. That's the rule." It's like, "You got I mean, something that'll fit me?" Because I, you did. Yeah. Oh man. Well, I'm going to thank you for that because and this is something I get shit for all the time uh at where I work, of course, cuz I told him the story. I'm like, "You put on a dress." And I was like, "Well, fuck yeah, I did. Why not?" And it was giant. It was this giant pink like muumu dress. Like I don't, I, and it like zipped all the way up to my my throat. And I got in that pool, and so help me, it was the most amazing feeling in the world. That water rushing across you while it, mm-hmm. you feel like a seal. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, you weren't kidding. Like this is awesome. awesome. Yeah, it was wonderful, and I still get shit for. It. I'm like, go fucking try it, dudes, because okay. it's uh, it's wonderful. But, um, you know, I don't know even where to jump in on it. Like, where did it start to come into your life? Because it's a huge part of your life. Like it's your career. Like it's, mm-hmm. and the, that's also fascinating
1: mm-hmm. that
2: side of things. Cause the things that I've learned so far through either, you know, chatting with Mike or just kind of stumbling across that little bit blows people's minds when I talk about it. Like, are you serious? People do that? Like it's <laughs> yes. Yes. Like it's, it's a real thing. Like it's a, so, and that's also where I was getting at too, with, with growing up, kind of having to hide a lot of things Mm. coming into a, to, to a, uh, a way of life that a lot of people may be ashamed of Mm. or, uh, hide from their coworkers and hide from their family. That was kind of an interesting tie in there to me, to what you do now. I mean, you're very open about it, uh, which is excellent. But a lot of people aren't, so maybe there was an easier way to uh, come into that and maybe keep it underground for a little while before you came out with it. That, that and being very public with it—that's a whole bunch of questions at once. I'm sorry, but okay. where did where did you come into it? Like, how did you get exposed to it?
0: I think for some people, the secret is delicious. You know, that's I a think, good point. I think for that's some, a great people, point. It feels it feels really good to have. A little something, that, you know. I know something you don't know throughout the day. <laughs> a little butt plug in their yeah. ass that no one yeah. knows about. Yeah, you know panties exactly. Is, you know, just between you and your mistress or something like that. Yeah, a little, you know. It's it's, it's it kind of depends on you and your personality. What you want to, where you want to go with it. You know, you might want to be out or, um, you know that that might be part of the fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and there's so much stigma around BDSM. Oh yeah. So much stigma. We are not accepted. Um, and it's a little bit better now there's, you know, there's certain things that have happened, you know, like we don't like it, but 50 shades of gray oh, changed. Yeah. It, you know, it's awful, but it, yeah, there's that and other things that have sort of, um, made BDSM a little bit come a little bit more to the forefront. Um yeah, and and it's a little bit glamorized and fetishized and you know, which is funny that fetish is fetishized, mm-hmm. but you know, like being a dominatrix or whatever, that it's it's a little bit different now. People see it um through new eyes. Um <laughs> I don't think that was the question though. What was the question? How did, just, I yeah,
2: how did you get in and discover that it was something you were into or maybe, uh, you know, um, yeah. How did it come I into it your life?
0: I, I liked it before I had words for it. And I think that's not uncommon. And you know, this, this question is always a little bit challenging for me because it was not just one thing mm-hmm. that happened for me. Um, and you know, like I I really do believe I was born kinky. Um, and then, you know, there's certain aspects to my life and my circumstances and things that have happened along the way that have nurtured that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I can track certain things back to my childhood and then early adulthood and early sexuality and things that, um, connected and, uh, you know, whether that was like, um, sort of fashion things that I was attracted to books that I read or, um, circumstances between myself and other people in, you know, sexual situations Mm -hmm. could be cross-dressing my boyfriends. Um, you know, there's so much, so much that I could talk about. Um, you know, and then at some point, it became more of a, a real thing. Um, you know, and even when I was a stripper, um, you know, I think that period of time really nourished, um, both with some of the people that I was surrounded by who turned me on to things, um, taught me how to make toys. Um, I started wearing, you know, boots that are associated with, being a dominatrix Mm -hmm. and, um, actually topping people and, and bottoming. And I had a very, um, pretty extreme relationship during that time with a man where, you know, it was, it was really a DS relationship. Um, he was in the military. I would wake up in the morning and shine his boots. Um,
2: interesting,
0: make his food. Um, we we ended up getting married during that time. He was a tanker. This was during the Iraq war. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like we were into all sorts of kink. I was smoking crack. It was, you know, <laughs> <laughs> of Roxy or no, it was Oxycontin during that time. huh These were wild. Yeah.
2: Um, Jesus Christ. You
0: know, I had a client who would come in and um it was it was interesting during that time. I was a stripper and I had a client that would come in during that time. And, um, during lap dances, he would pay me to flog me, you know, it was like, there was like a period of bottoming during that time, Mm -hmm. but also switching, um, you know, like there's just so much, there's so many stories I could tell you, (laughs) um, (laughs) uh, you know, and that, that, that just goes on forever. And, and, you know, and it wasn't formalized, there was no training. It was just like, messy um but i was reading books and um and then at some point i i learned more and um actually started um doing it as a as a business and yeah. there's fetish stuff and and then um that became more formalized and i finally got a mentor and started working in a dungeon okay. and it was domina okay. um and then that was like, I actually became part of the community and in the scene and, um, not just on the outskirts, um, you know, and doing some modeling here and there and meeting some people. But mm-hmm. you know, when, I, when I got a mentor, things really kind of solidified and, okay uh, I wasn't just self-educated if that makes sense. Sure.
2: Yeah. It makes complete sense. So like in, in my uneducated, uh, mind, I would picture the dominatrix as more of a leading, a leader, in the scene, as far as, um, you know, you said you can do both, of course, you can, you you know, you can, you can switch. But is that, is that correct to assume that that is kind of the leader? Like you, you would go, you would book an appointment with you, go into uh, the, and you would, they would, the person would tell you what they wanted or what they were thinking about or, or they would give you control and let you tell them what you wanted to do. Or what you, I mean, am, am I way off base with that? Like the leadership part of it is interesting to me.
0: Sure. And what I'm, I'm telling you some of my BDSM history and that's including, um, many of my personal lifestyle experiences
1: mm-hmm.
0: as opposed to me becoming a professional dominatrix gotcha. in, um, you know, working in a dungeon in, you know, highly boundried experiences mm-hmm. It, you know, and um being you know and negotiating scenes and um in that case not switching ever
1: mm-hmm.
0: within um sessions that are transactional um so you're getting like a, a little patchwork history
2: got it of, okay
0: of my life mm-hmm. and my key right
1: mm-hmm.
0: um because you asked me you know, some of my story, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, With my mentor, I trained traditionally. um, And what that means in the BDSM community and in the leather community, it is um, well thought of to really understand BDSM to, um, we say, start from the bottom or to to understand everything that you are doing to someone else, Mm -hmm. you've experienced yourself. Um, and there's many different reasons for this. One of the big reasons for it is um, empathy
1: mm-hmm.
0: so that you, um, you know, that you treat a bottom or a submissive with respect, having understood and experienced it yourself. It also means that that you can't, they can't get one over on you. <laughs> 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 um, it just makes you an all around better top Mm -hmm. or dominant, if you, um, have experienced the full range of emotions and and physicality. And, you know, some people think of it as spirituality as well.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So so from the outside, people can talk about it as if, um, maybe the, I, you know, I, I heard some tone around like, Oh, that's surprising that you bottomed. That's actually thought of very well. If you've bottomed as well, it makes mm-hmm. you better at what you do. Um, now, going back to being a professional and negotiating what you do with, in scene, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's different in in professional terms than it mm-hmm. is in lifestyle. Yeah. So people might come in with um, a list of things that they want to do. Um, and you pre-negotiate that ahead of time and because it is professional, there is an element of, of, you know, it being a service industry.
2: Mm -hmm. Sure.
0: However, um, you can build long relationships with people and, um, and it really can become very real.
2: Man, that's, there's just so much there. It's It's a lot there. (laughs) It's a life. It's a lifetime. Like it's a lifelong pursuit. Like it's, there's so much. Uh there's so much to unpack. There's so much like it, it's just it's it's daunting to think about. And unless you can dig into like small pieces and kind of start to put things together, it just seems like the whole thing as a whole is so monumental. Um yeah, it's crazy. Like, I I I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by it. And like I'm gonna have to hit you up for some recommendations on. Uh, books or things that to like go beyond just the the surface level. Uh,
0: there's a good I'm book that start with Miss um, Abernathy's erotic slavehood. I think that's a really good start. Okay. Um, and then there's there's so much good stuff. But
2: yeah, just getting to see all that stuff. Even it like at Mike's house, like seeing it in person. When you walk in there, the whole thing changes. Like it's like. This is real. Like, this is like really cool versus like seeing a picture of a dungeon on the internet or something. Like when you walk <laughs> in there and you smell it, you, you see it, like it changes everything. It's like this, uh, you kind of get immersed in it. Everything's you like the smell? what's that? Do
0: you like the smell,
2: the, the leather, like the, Oh yeah, you could, it was awesome. That's interesting. It was awesome. Like it, well, all your senses are going crazy because you're, of course, all the lighting changes. The environment changes, and you're around. For me, I was around things I had never seen before. Almost everywhere I looked, it was like walking into an alien world. Like, of course, I'd seen couple, a couple things here and there, but being in there, door shut. Here's where you are right now. It was like, whoa, this is cool. Not to not to bring it back to to Mike, but th- like that's the only time I've been in a dungeon. Like just check it out. This is awesome. Like, this is really cool. And so, uh, that's, I mean, I don't know where else you would do that without actually finding one and going into one, just kind of stumbling into it. Oh yeah. Go check out the house or whatever. Okay. Walk in. Oh, here it is. <laughs> you know, like you're walking into a, a, a powder room or something. It was, it was life changing kind of like, it was just like, wow, I have a whole new, like already having a whole new appreciation for this. Just seeing the, 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 I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible, but I just don't know. I have not put in the time or the, the, the effort into learning more about it since then. I just remember walking in there and it was, yeah, the smell of the leather. Um, it was like, a, it was cooler cause it was, there wasn't much light. Like it was just all, everything was kind of either purple or black or, um, very like the colors were very, um, soothing but also kind of clinical Mm -hmm. there's all these things all these things going through my mind in there that was just like wow okay i'm starting to understand like the Mm -hmm. attraction um and yeah i was not in latex at that point but once i put that on hopped in the pool i was like man there's something to this this is awesome you know so um but yeah so the whole i mean the whole the aesthetic feel to it is is kind of an all-encompassing thing too and once you're in there because you're kind of like okay here I am I wasn't there for that reason but I was in there in that moment so is that something you don't hear very often the smell like the the leather the the is that is that the different one
0: might you might have fetishistic tendencies
2: yeah it's possible probably (laughs) because it's something where I never I never um even in my you know, like my adolescence, like everything was pretty normal. Like I didn't experiment a lot with things. I didn't experiment a lot outside of just normal, like typical uh, male, female, you know, teenager relationship, uh, you know, sexual experiences. There was never like a, I, I was never exposed to that world mm-hmm. in that time. I was much older when I first kind of started to see that stuff. So maybe that's, maybe that's why, I don't know.
0: Do you like certain shoes or clothing or mm, dress up in a certain way?
2: Not more than another, really. Like uh, nothing that I could pick out. Okay. Nothing, nothing I could pick out. I just remember I'm very like feeling, feeling to me. Like, um, I've never had a problem with like tags or stuff like that. People are really sensitive to things like that on clothing. But I definitely noticed stuff like that when I was in the in the latex in the pool. The way the water felt, like I could think of it right now, like I could I could remember that feeling right now. That's something I can't do with a lot of things, but I remember exactly what it felt like, and how comforting it was. Almost, it was like a ninety degree day, sun's beating down, but that water rushing over you. I tried to describe it to people uh, that were joking about it with me. Um, that it's kind of like. It, it reminds me of what that aqua massage at the airport would feel like where they put the cover over you and run that water over your body, where there's that thin layer that doesn't let you get wet. Mm -hmm. I would, I would, I would think it was somewhat similar to that because the water's passing over you like effortlessly, but you're also not like soaking wet. Like it's this weird, like, like a seal. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm going off all these tangents, but, uh,
0: could make it a goal to get in a leather sleep sack.
2: The sleep is that the one that's like completely enclosed
0: mm-hmm.
2: with like a little tube that or some or something where you can breathe. Or or you
0: know, can, be, can be it can be back. taken
2: off, right? Like the you it do. can the oxygen right. can be shut off or whatever for you can't.
0: If you want to go that hardcore, sure.
2: <laughs> that's wild. <laughs> a leather sleep sack. Man you've got all sorts of it like looking behind you you've got everything in there is this this is in your house
0: yeah i just have like a dungeon light in my living room um i live here with my mentee um priestess lilith scorpius and we just have you know just like a little tiny it's nothing too sophisticated just a cross and a cage and a few toys keeping things simple in life right now
2: man see that's yeah that's the like i wouldn't know what half of these things are behind you but like uh that's what i'm saying like it's it's here
0: there you go people were ready for the apocalypse ahead of time
2: man let me ask you this what kind of mask do you wear when you go out to the store do you have an awesome mask that you use
0: um, no, I mean I just wear masks just like a regular everybody. one. But at the beginning of the apocalypse, <laughs> I was wearing a pretty cool mask before, <laughs> or you know, before we got in all the uh, you know like the regular N95s and all that stuff. But yeah. it, I I was ready. Man, like my people were ready.
2: <laughs> so you were you're saying I should jump to a leather sleep sack, or that should be the goal.
0: I think that's a good goal for you. You like the smell of leather. I
2: do. I really do. My wife's vegan, you like which the that, that parts of
0: sensation of you know things on the skin. You like the latex. Yeah, you know.
2: loved it. I loved it, and I will say, and I, 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 yeah, it's so funny when people joke about that. I was like, dude, seriously, try it, and they won't do it, or they don't believe me. And I'll show them the picture, and they're like, oh my god. Like, or you
0: could go rubber. You could go rubber sleep sack. In the pool with your lady. Just make sure she, you know.
2: Keep my head above water.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Make sure she can get you out. Don't go underwater.
2: I don't think that would happen. I don't think that. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm six foot five, 360 pounds. She (laughs) is, yeah, she's much smaller. And uh, yeah, we did a thing one time in, in our old place where I was like, man, I wonder if there was a fire and I was passed out. Could all of you. All the kids and her get me out. They couldn't move me one inch. Oh, like I just laid on the floor completely motionless and they're tugging and pulling. and I did not move an inch. And then I picked all of them up and took them out all the way down the stairs to the street. I was <laughs> like, you better hope I'm still awake. <laughs> but it's a
0: good family exercise. Yeah, yeah
2: exactly. Um, Another thing I want to talk about with this, with, with the BDSM is, is, uh, your meditation practice, like yeah. practicing mindfulness. Does that give you a new approach to approaching BDSM being, being on a, a more enlightened, um, uh, b- being more enlightened with the mindfulness side of meditation and, and that kind of control of your body? I'm not
0: going to claim any kind of enlightenment, but, um, my meditation practice definitely touches everything in life, including BDSM. Um, and I, you know, I do think to your point, um, it it affects embodiment. Yeah, um, you know, like I, I've experienced a fair amount of um, dissociative episodes and and like long dissociative episodes in my life associated with, um, I think, you know, probably associated with trauma and all Mm -hmm. of that. Um, and meditation practice has really changed that for me where I'm in my body. Um, Yeah, I'm present. I'm in my body. Um, and I know how to get myself in my body and, um, that's life changing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that that's affected my BDSM experience both to how I talk with people about their experience with BDSM, and um, and then also where I am, you know, within a um, within a scene.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so yeah, I think embodiment is a big aspect, and then also just exploration. And it's pretty interesting some of the things that I've been able to do. Um, you know, some of it is pretty, I mean, talking about sleep sacks, for example, sure. um, when one of the things that I like to do, I haven't been doing it as much lately, but one of the things I have liked to do is put people in sensory deprivation in sleep sacks and hoods and, you know, like the whole sensory deprivation experience, and then guide them through a meditative, meditative experience. And that could be them experiencing, um, Embodiment, or whatever it is that they need to experience, and also doing death meditation, which is something that we do in the Buddhist practice that I I study, mm-hmm. and that's really to enliven um experience and life. And so it's like it can sound pretty metal. We <laughs> <Yes. laughs> me put you in a sleep sack and talk about death, death.
2: meditation. Oh. <laughs>
0: Um, (laughs) sounds so hardcore
2: yeah it does Um,
0: but it you know the idea is really to to focus on on how good life is and how precious life is um so you know it's like when when you come out of it it, it's like how how am i going to live today you know with the awareness of mortality and Mm -hmm. um you know for for myself i i think about that on a regular basis, you know, because I, I have had some experiences of being close Mm -hmm. to my own mortality. And so I just really want to live big and loud and with lots of color, you know? Yeah. Uh, And, and if I can impart that a little bit within scenes, I, I think that that's kind of special.
1: Yeah.
2: That's fascinating coming full circle with that too. Like, um, talking about you know with your like moments struggling well not struggling but well struggling but um with mortality and stuff like that from that uh the the record that mike put out the koki the clown record the first song i literally had to pull over my car because i was literally like tearing up from that Mm -hmm. story which people have heard the record have heard the story i'm sure but going from there to talking to you now about this stuff is such a cool full circle thing because you're so positive and, and just you're awesome. Like, I, I love it. Like it's, I've, I've been looking forward to this chat because, um, you know, going from being touched so heavily by that story
1: mm-hmm. and
2: those feelings, uh, to it literally pulled my car over because I was like, what is this? Like I, this is terrible but it's beautiful but it's terrible. And I told Mike the same thing. I was like I can't I can't listen to that record like I can't I maybe twice I listened to. It. I can't do it anymore. But uh to that to now. Like is 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 uh is awesome. And I've had I did not know about dissociative disorder or anything about it on any of the levels until I started this podcast. Mm-hmm. I've talked to three other people that have severe episodes of this to where, uh, one, uh, her name is Rachel Midori. She was a a adult star, Mm -hmm. um, that I had on, I don't even remember how we got connected, but she had attempted suicide a few times and she was basically watching herself across the kitchen do it with no feelings Mm -hmm. at all. Everything was black and white Mm -hmm. and I was, I had never heard of this before. And then there's a comedian friend of mine in Idaho that suffers from it from childhood trauma Mm
1: -hmm.
2: used to basically kind of teleport across the room and watch the things that were happening to, yeah. to, to get away from it. Um, that would be a fascinating podcast between you and her. She's got a podcast as well, but she's very, very, she used to uh, write uh, BDSM erotica mm. uh, under a pen name that she refuses to give out. Um, but she's very, she's been in that scene for almost her whole life as well. Um, mm. but yeah, same thing, same, same, uh, thing she's been struggling with. Um, but to hear you bring that back through meditation, that's that's incredible. And the feeling you must get from that being able to be fully present after experiencing being separate, which is something yeah. I can't even put my mind around what that would feel like. You know, I've had extreme bouts of depression, but never to where I disassociate or, or leave uh, any of myself behind for a second. I can't even begin to imagine what that feels like, but to feel whole again and to feel, you know, um, that's priceless, you know? And I, I am, I am so glad that we're talking right now instead <laughs> of the other way around, you know, like, cause you're, yeah, i it's, it's fascinating to me, all this stuff. I love this stuff and talking about, um, you know, mental health. I need to, I really need to try, Meditate. I always talk about it that I need to try meditation. I need to try it. That's my problem. When you talk about the sleep sack again, once I I fear that once I get to that point where I'm in a deprivation state, my big thing, when I used to, when I used to smoke weed a lot, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I get terrified because I'd start to feel my own heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And being able to feel my own heartbeat terrified me. Mm -hmm. Because it's that mortality. Like, what Mm -hmm. if it stops? What if it, you know? So I worry if I go into one of those like float tanks, even just a, a generic wellness spa, go in and get in a float tank, I'm going to start like hearing my heartbeat and my breathing and then focus on the mortality piece versus trying to just focus on breath alone. So at the same time, being attracted to those things, also terrified of it at the same time, is kind of an interesting uh, paradox where like I'm definitely intrigued by what you're suggesting but also terrified of what I'm going to figure out when I get in there in my own head, if that makes sense. But uh,
0: Well, I mean, I'm excited for you in that regard then, because there's something about when we actively choose to face something like that, that just makes us so much stronger and so much more resilient, right? It's it's like, every time we do that, um, we have even more emotional strength for the next time that something like that happens so that when it comes up automatically and we're not in control of the situation, we're not in a float tank or in a sexy sleep sack or Mm -hmm. whatever it is, then we, we kind of, we have the skills to manage it as well. Yeah. So, For me, I'm, I'm all about going to the, to the edges actively out of choice. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's helpful. And, you know, I, I mean, around uh, this idea around mental health and, and breaking through with different things like meditation and everything, I I feel like it's so exciting to not be um, pigeonholed or stuck in a diagnosis or, you know, like I, I remember when I um, first got diagnosed by someone in the um, psych community is having dissociative disorder. And I was like, Oh God, I've got a disorder (laughs) and I felt stuck. Right. Like, okay. So now I have this thing. I, you know, like, um, disorder sounds so scary and it feels like I'm going to have it for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't believe that for us. I feel like there's so much more. I feel like we have, um, we just have so much more capacity and and tools yeah you know, yeah
2: which I, is exciting it is and some of i forget who said it it was someone i can't remember if it was greg graffen or some said about being an atheist that that starts from just a negative like that there's nothing st- it, what he said it starts it starts the off on the wrong foot with just a negative not like yeah. there's no expansion on anything like nope that's all that's saying uh it's kind of similar to like well here's your disorder this is what you have okay. You know, where do we go from here? Right. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I know a lot of people get relief cause they finally get diagnosed so they can get what they need. Mm-hmm. But I like the way your, your take on it is, is where it's, you know, it's not who you're going to be. It's not who you, you know, the, the finality of it isn't what it, you know, stigmatized as. So, um, that's really interesting. I, I really, I really like that. Um, and so how, so you, you, have a mentee now you said,
1: mm-hmm.
2: so that's gotta be a great feeling being to the point in, in, uh, in what you're doing to feel comfortable to take on a mentee and take them on the same kind of, or, or a similar journey that you went down to now be in that place that has to feel fantastic. Like the achievement, you know, to be to that point. That's crazy. That's awesome.
0: Well, she's definitely on her very own particular path and journey, much different than mine. Um, and I get to stand by and cheer her on and that is exciting. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess you could call it achievement. Um, or whatever it was that you said, something around those terms. Yeah, um, just like
2: an achievement of, of I mean, uh, like when the the student becomes the teacher. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, it's just a cool r- rite of passage, I guess, to then mm-hmm. give back to the community in by bringing someone else up behind you. Mm-hmm. You know, and much like not to compare the two really literally, but like in the trades where now I'm a journeyman or a foreman. I'm bringing up apprentices that I was an apprentice even at 30 something years old I was like a looked at as a child because I was an apprentice and didn't know what I was doing now I do and I'm I know what mistakes they're going to make I know because I did it myself I know what it's like I know what it's like when a pipe bursts off and you put your finger over it and it's a hot water line and you think you can hold it for 20 minutes and then it blows up everywhere to tell them you know if this happens while I'm gone don't do that walk away call somebody and so you're not sitting there burning yourself. Things like that. A little bit. And that's why I mean like not to compare them literally, but the process is kind of similar. Where you're bringing someone else up that's then eventually going to pay for your retirement because they're out there working in the field when you can't any longer. You know, it's a beautiful thing. It's kind of like a trade, I guess, if I can compare it to that. It's kind of like a, it's a, it's a, yeah, I I may be completely off base, but.
0: We're not off base. The, it is absolutely a trade awesome. sector his work yep. we have the exact same um style in the way that we um that we move forward and that it, talking about journeymen and mm-hmm. and all of that stuff is you are fully on the mark um the explosion might be a penis um <laughs> <and blood laughs> pouring out all over the place
1: oh
2: no tell me you have been there <laughs> oh no
0: um, rather than, you know, a hot water heater, what, I don't know, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but yes, you are absolutely on the mark. You've um, had a
2: penis explode.
0: You know, when I was a young,
2: oh my God,
0: dominatrix or we call them baby doms. Okay. When I was a baby dom, um, and baby doms don't like to be called baby doms. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a young dominatrix, I, I was actually, I was doing sounding, um, and I was in the dungeon by myself What and is sounding. Sounding. So sounding is, um, it, it's actually something that is done in the medical community as well to stretch the urethra. Um, but, um, I was doing it for fun. Okay. Um, as part of my session. Yeah. It, it is one of the things that I specialize in um, with medical play. Medical play is something
1: uh-huh.
0: that I really enjoy. Um, And I was sounding someone, and they had a gas mask on. It was going great. And um, I put the metal rod down their penis. And um, I felt like a little catch. And I pushed through anyway. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And then we had a geyser.
2: Oh my
0: God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and you know that wasn't good for anyone he didn't even know he was having a great time he was resting yeah. you know enjoying his experience and um I was like my eyes were like this I didn't know what to do I got my mentor on the phone uh-huh. kind of like help mom what do I do <laughs> <laughs> um you know with one hand holding yeah. it tight like uh-huh. this what do you do when something's bleeding yeah and uh she gave very good advice. She said, make sure he, he pees. Um, so that's what we did. You know, I, I held tight for a yeah. long period of time and then he peed and everything was okay in the end. And um, I mean, this was like twelve years ago. He still is my client today, which is good. Yeah,
2: that's we really survived.
0: Good. We survived. So wow. <laughs> that was probably one of my bigger, you know, like. Young accidents.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But he's been with you the whole time. That's awesome. (laughs) The trust is even more. Yeah. Man. Well, Soma, this has been fascinating. I've, I, uh, I'm going to have to have you back on it just to tell stories of these things, because this is, that alone tells me a lot, you know, just hearing the stories about, you know, what can happen and, and like even that, what's this, what's that? I could do that all day, but, um, Mm yeah, I've, I've had you on more than an hour and I, I, I really appreciate the chat. I really do. And, uh, you know, um, punk rock and paintbrushes going on. We've got sidewalk project. Where can people find you online for, for everything else? Cause you, I mean, you've got so much going on. Is there one spot that would be the best place for my listenership to find you?
0: Um, so much snake oil on Instagram. That's, that's kind of where everything happens and where I spill my guts. And then we've got the, uh, the pump, punk rock and paint Brushes book that's coming up. So mm-hmm. that's bad. Excellent. but yeah, so much snake oil on Instagram. That's the place. Okay. Perfect.
2: Yeah. Well, like I say, thank you so much for taking the time to do this for one. Uh, I'm really glad we could have this conversation now and, and, uh, for all the info and, and, uh, I may have to hit you up. Uh, with questions because I, now you've got me all interested in all these other things that I'm going to have to go explore because okay. uh, it's just, sure. it's just a journey that's been happening randomly here and there. Like, okay, I'm going to dig into this. I'm going to dig into that. We'll see where it ends up. But uh, yes. I look forward
0: to seeing your journey as well. Awesome. And that all, how that all works out.
2: Excellent. Well, yeah. Thank you again for for the time yeah. and enjoy the rest of your day off.
0: Yay! Get everything Yay.
2: clean and ready to roll, and and take some time for yourself. And and uh, yeah, Thank
0: thanks you so again. much for having me. Appreciate it.
2: All right, we'll talk soon. Bye. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Soma Snake Oil, Goddess Soma. Uh, you can check her out on the socials. She's a part of the Paint uh, Punk Rock and Paint Brushes, the Sidewalk Project. Um, just she's everywhere. Google Soma Snake Oil and just dive in. I mean, she's got a lot to check out. Uh, a very varied career and just an all-around just wonderful person so thank you again someone for coming on the show and bearing with my uh elementary maybe questions on bdsm and everything else but it's just it's fascinating and i've i'm not ashamed to admit it either it's something that's intrigued me for a long time and uh like i joked with her and you guys know i fucking dressed up in latex and hopped in a swimming pool with fat mike to do an interview And, uh, I loved it. It was awesome. I can't, you, you just heard me describe it to her what it felt like, but the, the, who knows, maybe we'll try some of this stuff out, you know, life's short. You might as well try stuff and, and see what you think. So anyways, uh, I'm, I could go on about this forever, but, uh, I need to get on to the next episode, but this was episode 187. And I appreciate you guys so much. If you've made it this far to episode 187, That's 187 fucking episodes of this show. Four years of time, a little over four years, and you guys are still here. I love it. I love it so much. And uh, so, yeah, go rate and review the show if you haven't already. Shoot me an email. Let me know what you thought of the episode. Let me know if you thought I embarrassed myself. Uh, You know, tell me to shut the fuck up or tell me, hey, keep going. Whatever. Shoot it over to me. All right, guys, I'm going to get out of here. I got a bunch more episodes to do. And I just need to uh, keep my head down and keep going or I'm never going to finish in time. But anyways, thank you so much. And as always, we'll see you on the radio.